I think my fascination with the ancestry and like my inability to sometimes have more roots in that in our family was like such a huge loss and, and pain and like grief for me. But I think that's where I started. The music started kind of like almost pulling that out of the ethers or something. Welcome to the Medicine Stories Podcast, where we are remembering what it is to be human upon the earth. I am your host, Amber Magnolia Hill, and this is episode 49. Today, I am so honored to be sharing my interview with my dear friend, Marie Sue. I first heard Marie's music about 12 years ago, and it completely (laughs) opened up portals in my mind of ancestral remembrance and deep imaginal connection to the life and the consciousness beyond just me. And her music has continued to be some of the deepest medicine in my life since then. I can always listen to Marie Sue. I am never bummed on putting that record on. Uh, My children love it. Everyone I've ever been with in a room when Marie is performing has been deeply, deeply moved, um, oftentimes to tears or some sort of big emotional expression. There's just a way in which the sounds and the images connect us to something ancient, to the ancestors, to something beyond what I can even put into words. I'm going to share right now uh, words from Sophia Rose, who was my guest on episode three of this podcast. Sophia recently interviewed Marie for her online herbal and earth connection um, education site, Garden Party. And so these words are from her introduction to her interview with Marie. And I just thought she put it so beautifully. Sophia writes, Marie Sue's music is a balm for the soul. The first time I heard her song, Two Tongues, which I'll be playing during this interview, over a decade ago, something ancient and undiscovered arose within me. It was a part of myself I long sensed existed, but had been previously unable to access. Her music calls forth what is dormant within us and reveals the true depth of our inner worlds. Through her music, Marie distills the wisdom of the ancestors in a way that is poetic yet accessible. Her songs connect you instantly with the original innocence and transcendent wisdom that is inherent in each of us. At its core, her music is medicine. Like a soothing lullaby, it powerfully shifts the nervous system into a state of relaxation and receptivity, and at the same time, it is subtly mind-altering. Each verse builds on the last to widen your perception and court the sacred back to life. There is no one else I know of making music like Marie Sue. Through her songs, she offers us a numinous perspective, 
a glimmering gift which makes the grief of living on earth at this time both more beautiful and more bearable. Her music is also a key miraculously crafted to unlock the ancestral memories which live within each of us. So I'm going to have a link to that interview and to Sophia's beautiful, beautiful website and teaching space garden party in the show notes here. Ah, Listener spotlight from Paige. I'm really excited to read this iTunes review. I've been wanting to read it um, for a while now, but of course, as you'll see, I had to save it for this exact episode because Paige wrote, When I first listened to Medicine Stories, I found myself laying on the floor of my bedroom, emotionally struggling and sweating from a particularly balmy summer night. I was deciding between listening to Marie Sue's album, Faces in the Rocks, my favorite album, or this new podcast I had found. When I decided on the podcast and heard Wild Eyes by Marie Sue in the opening, I knew something big had happened. (laughs) So I just love imagining that moment. You know, for anyone who's new to this show, the beginning and closing music to every episode of this podcast is from Marie's song, Wild Eyes, which is probably in my top three favorite songs of all time. And so I love thinking about Paige laying there being like, "Mm, am I going to listen to this album or this new podcast, putting the podcast on. And the first thing she hears is actually music from that album. She goes on to write, I have become a faithful listener to medicine stories. I am 22 and super confused as I am told we also are at most ages And having Amber share her wisdom and stories about her life has been like having a seriously cool, caring, and powerful older sister. Thanks for thinking I'm cool, Paige. Gifting reassurance and medicines as I struggle to build up a life of healing and connection. What a beautiful gift that this support is streaming thousands of miles across the country into my ears and helping me grow up a deep, discerning, healing practice. I feel like light and life when remedies and wisdoms are shared on this podcast. The way they are given makes me feel so much power and capability to do what I know I must. It also soothes that part of my soul that is in mourning and seeking for all the healers violently and sneakily pushed to the edges of this society. I am so thankful for the way she continually brings in new people and is weaving a space where I can find those who once seemed so impossibly hidden. I have seriously wept many times while listening to this podcast, especially around ancestral healing and double, especially during the episode with Lila June. Tectonic plates of generational grief felt shifted and open and are still opening. I really love that Paige talked about being confused in this review because I'm confused. I think we're all confused. And I certainly intend for this podcast to be a light in the darkness And I'm also really okay with um, sitting in the darkness when there's no light to be found and experiencing that as well. So thank you, Paige. Thank you so much to everyone who is able to rate and review on iTunes. It's amazing. And please subscribe wherever you listen. If you feel so called, it's very helpful. And um, thank you too, to everyone who shares about the podcast on Instagram. It's almost overwhelming. Sometimes I just get flooded with tags the day uh, a new episode comes out, the days following, but I really deeply appreciate seeing 
what's coming up for you, um, what you learned, what touched you, what moved you, what resonated with you. And I know it's a lot easier to do that on an Instagram story post than on iTunes. So I super, super appreciate that. And please make sure to tag me when you do it so I can see you. There are four Marie Sue songs that will be played during this interview. We just, I just couldn't not play these four songs. They all tie into what we talk about. They're beautiful, beautiful songs. And I really just wanted, I just felt like we couldn't talk about the music and the medicine of the music without like actually having it right there for you to experience as you're hearing the stories that brought the music to life. So again, the first song is Wild Eyes. Already talked about that. We talk about it more in the interview. I can't say enough about what this song means to me. The second song is Black Snakes. And Black Snakes is off the new album Grief in Exile, which of course there is the um, link to buy it in the show notes. It just came out a few days ago, I believe on the 6th or 7th of June here. And I believe I saw that it's only $10. You can gift more to Marie as a thank you for her visions and translating them into music that blesses your life if you'd like. But man, 10 bucks, do it, worth it. Third song is Grief and Exile, the title track. And I'm currently really having a moment with that song. <laughs> you know, the wonderful blessing of falling in love with a song and you can't get enough of it. And it's just somehow feeding your soul and giving you exactly what you need. That's how I'm feeling right now about grief and exile. And the fourth track is Two Tongues. And so the first and the fourth songs are from Marie's first album, Faces in the Rocks. And the second and third are from the new album, Grief and Exile. There's also an album in between called Gift for the End that is absolutely just as incredible and potent as the two albums that these songs come from. Um, These four songs just happen to fit what we talked about, but... If you like what you hear, you're going to love Gift for the End. Marie, for me, is one of those artists who doesn't miss. There's not one song that isn't incredibly moving and beautiful. So I'm going to read what Marie wrote about Black Snakes, the second song, because we don't talk about it quite as much as we do the other songs um, in the interview. We actually don't talk about Two Tongues at all, which is going to be the final song played. I just had to put it in there because it's... The visions, like the imagery evoked in that song are so uh, just beyond words, but I felt called to put it in here. But what Marie wrote me about Black Snakes is that it was written before I headed to Standing Rock. I had not written a song in a year, wondering if I ever would again. And I took some psilocybin mushrooms and then I sang this song into being without even writing it down. It was a totally spooky experience. And this song carries a lot of haunting prophecy. It speaks to the black snakes that infiltrate our our world through toxic capitalism and the indigenous prophecy of this time awakening, of this time of awakening that is upon us, which was realized at Standing Rock with the black snake pipeline. So Marie is also lovingly, kindly, generously hosting a giveaway with me over on Patreon. It is actually open to everyone who's listening, not just patrons of the podcast, but it is hosted on Patreon. So you can enter at patreon.com slash medicine stories. And she is giving away um, a copy of Grief and Exile. And whoever wins can choose either an LP or a CD. And they both come with a digital download as well. 
as well as Marie will send you some handmade by her cedar prayer bundles, which is such an amazing gift. Okay. Um, oh, and I will close that giveaway. I don't know when I will close that giveaway sometime in late June, sometime in late June. So just get over there and enter as soon as possible. If you would like to win this album, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Marie before we get into this beautiful musical interview. Poetic mysticism and ancestral remembrance have always been deeply embedded in Marie Sue's music, and she has been a fixture in the California folk scene for over a decade. Revered for her delicate finger-picking and mystical songs that often reflect her Native American heritage, there is a transcendent quality in her unique expression that sometimes feels otherworldly. I would add that it always feels otherworldly, if I may. Her ethereal singing aches with haunting sensitivity, calling forth things dormant within us and awakening deeply sown seeds of our inner worlds. It often moves listeners to tears. Over the past decade, many people have written Marie to express the profound healing experiences the music has supported them through, from births to loved ones' last breaths, Moments of peace during drug withdrawals and reconnection to the self during trying times or heartbreak. There seems to be a medicinal quality to her music that is undeniable and sought after in an often destructive and disconnected age. Through her music, Marie distills the wisdom of the ancestors in a way that illuminates chilling visuals, and her songs seem to connect you instantly with the original innocence and transcendent wisdom that is inherent in each of us. Coming from mixed races of Polish, Hungarian, Oaxacan, and Southern California Paiute heritage, she has always been fascinated by her ancestry and is currently involved in local and national indigenous activism, particularly in bringing awareness to the local Nisinon tribe of her hometown area and working on a reciprocity program in the community. A highly sensitive person, Marie was raised in the small gold mining town of Nevada City, that resides on occupied Nisinon territory in Northern California. She grew up daydreaming about the old ways of her ancestors and what pre-contact life for the Nisinon might have looked like on their land, imagery that later found its way into her songwriting. There is a maturity and deepening sense of self in the nature of Marie Sue's recent songwriting. Her third album, Grief in Exile, was recorded over the spring of 2018 with her friends and co-producers Casey Johansen and Tim Ramsey on the coast of California. It was written over five years of deeply profound experiences, such as traveling to Standing Rock Prayer Camp, ancestral visions of prophecy, and intense heartbreak. Grief in Exile takes listeners through the sonic tapestry of healing Marie found in creating this music with the support of Native American church ceremony and visionary plant medicines to recover from alcohol abuse, bulimia, and depression. It shares stories of deeply intimate loss and the hope to entice the sacred work of grief back to our lives from the exile American society has placed it in. Each song seems to contain its own story on the journey of loving and losing deeply and awakening to ancestral remembrance or self-reclamation. Marie Sue is a unique channeling artist, transmitting medicinal qualities through her music unlike any other at this time. Her first album, Faces in the Rocks, is considered a cult classic and garnered attention from such artists as Mazzy Starr, Bonnie Prince Billy, with whom she has both collaborated and shared the stage. 
She has also opened for Joanna Newsom, Frank Black, Buffy St. Marie, Alila Diane, and Bright Black Morning Light. So without further ado, it is again my deep honor to bring you the words, the medicine stories, and the music of Marie Sue. Hi, Marie. Hi, Amber. (laughs) This is fun. Only the third time I've ever interviewed someone in person. So Marie and I are in my little workspace, staring at each other. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad to have you here. here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, gosh, we first met when I was pregnant with Mm -hmm. my Celia 13 years ago. And then about a year later, when she was a baby, I moved up here to Nevada City, Grass Valley area, and it was right around the time that Faces in the Rocks came out, and I remember just listening to it, and like my mind was blown, (laughs) truly. I was like, this is a real person, and I know her, and it's just the most incredible, like, uh, other, another plane of existence is what is conjured for me when I listen mm-hmm. to your music um do you always know that you wanted to do music absolutely not I never would have imagined actually that it was something I would do um performing and being like in front of people is still like really challenging for me like it's really uncomfortable for me to have like attention on me mm-hmm. <clears throat> particularly from strangers or even friends in that kind of way. So it's really been a a learning experience of like getting into that kind of world. Um, I was really shy growing up and no, I never really, I loved singing along to my favorite music and stuff, but I like self taught, I I taught myself guitar at like 18 or 19 and it kind of just went on from there. But even when I wrote my first songs, I was never like, I'll sing these in front of people. I was very like, I'm we're not going to sing these in front of people <laughs> until some close friends of mine kind of like for, forced me to, one of them being our friend Art, who you probably know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really through other people's experience, actually, that kind of like put me on the path of, of like sharing music in the way that I do now. Whatever. You're so lucky to grow up in a community that was so focused on music and the arts for its young people too. You know, I really True. remember being struck by that when I first came here, I was mm-hmm. like, mm. when I was in high school, we were just drinking <laughs> and smoking weed. And you guys are all like in bands and putting on shows and organizing and stuff. And a lot of organizing shows and going to friends shows and seeing friends in bands and people switch in and out of different musical projects. And then, you know, incredible artists like Joanna Newsom or something start, you know, really, starting their craft and artistry of songwriting and just watching people grow, you know, in yeah. that way. And Alila, obviously, too. Friend Alila. Mm-hmm. Who's been on the show. Friend Alila. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and that's so sweet, too. You and Alila growing up as best friends and then both becoming, like, <laughs> well-known musicians, people whose lives are music. I know, it's really trip. It is. It, like, makes sense when you look back on it now, but, like, it's also a trip to mm-hmm. have it be, you know, because it is really something that une- very unexpected 
you know, even for Leela too, I don't think it was ever something she ever like really intended or thought about doing when she was like in choir and stuff in school mm-hmm. and she like probably liked singing, but it was really kind of a mis- mysterious surprise and beautiful surprise. Yeah. And then <laughs> but your dad's a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My dad is more of a bluegrass musician, jammer, picker, mm-hmm. also written a few songs in his past, but Mainly, he's in a band called the Doodads right now, and his <laughs> other friend. And uh, they play like classic rock songs and uh, bluegrass renditions yeah. <laughs> at some of the local cafes in town. It's really sweet. I love it hearing you and Alila talk about your dad's <laughs> dad bands. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of these interviews. <laughs> I know, it's really so cute. They're both so, such sweet men. Very yeah. lucky. Yeah. And so um, you are really connected to both branches of your ancestry. Can you tell me a bit about your dad's side of the family and your mom's side of the family, which really seems to come through in your music? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I feel super connected. I mean, I'm feeling more and more in my life like I'm reaching a more connected place with my ancestry for sure. Um, So yeah, my mom's side is from different parts of, let's see how I can explain this because there's a lot of unknowns. And so a lot of it is like also mystery parts of the lineage that like haven't been able to be traced, but her dad is definitely from parts of Mexico, Northern Mexico that he's not really sure where his parents were from because they never told him and you can't trace them back. Really, all he, like, he knows that he, like, picked his mom up at the Mexican border, like, when she was old, like, in a tent at one point and brought her back to, like, Bakersfield, I think it was, where she lived out her days. And I don't really know much about his dad, who I believe was also from Mexico somewhere. And then um, my mom's mom is part Paiute, Southern California Indian, and also different indigenous lineages from Oaxaca region mm-hmm. is what they've come to find. Um, and then my dad is from Hungary descent from his dad and Polish from his mom. So I do know like a little bit about them. Not a lot though. And I think when I was younger, I think my fascination with the ancestry and like my inability to sometimes have more roots in that in our family was like such a huge loss and, and pain and like grief for me. But I think that's where I started. The music started kind of like almost pulling that out of the ethers or something Mm -hmm. is what it, I don't think at the time I really saw it like that, but now. Yeah. So you were hungry for that when you were younger. for it. Yes. It's definitely a way of putting that. And um, I just wrote about it. I think a lot of the imagery was so like stream of consciousness. I would just write and write. And some of these songs would just pour through like out of like not even trying to write them. They would just come through like wild eyes or something. Yeah. People seem really drawn to that song. (laughs) And it's like really long and has all these crazy kind of bizarre like imagery that like I've really come to believe like is straight from the ancestral realm. And people even told me that when I was young, I wrote that song when I was like 21 and I'm 34. So like 
very different phase of my life, you know, and at that time I'd, I'd like be like, yeah, okay. Like people were like giving me the messages of what it was about even before I was really aware because it was mm-hmm. so kind of like out there. And over the years, you know, I've like really, even through like some ceremonies and visions, like really had really seen that that's where it's coming from. You know, that it's real ancestral healing work, like to do this and to be able to even express in a public realm um, from a lineage that I feel like was really, really repressed as many of them, many of ours are probably most of them. I feel like in a lot of the lives of my people that there was like a lot of repression and assimilation and not being able to be who you were. And so for me to like really express publicly like a deep heart space of like truth and those kind of things that it's, with the voice and stuff like that, that it's really like, that's where a lot of the healing like is coming from. Yeah. (laughs) I I can't even put into words like how beautiful your music is and how it makes me feel. And yeah, the images and wild eyes for sure is the (laughs) first one that comes to my mind too. I, um, I just remember when it first came out, our mutual friend who we were talking about before we started um, was just like, it's like, she's just channeling this. And that's the word that I've thought Mm -hmm. of ever since then too. And it's interesting to hear you say that that for you is what it felt like as well. Mm -hmm. It did feel like that. I, yeah.
At the time, I really just kind of like brushed it off in my like young mm-hmm. years of being like channeling. I'd just be like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I guess that's what it is, you know, but like, no, it really, it's songwriting's always kind of like that. Some of the newer songs like have been a little more like reworked and like refined in a different way, but they're, they're usually like all coming from, maybe that's, maybe that's just what. I mean, songwriting is like you're, you're creating a thing that didn't exist before and then now it's existing. Like it's a very magical process, like many of the art forms. Mm-hmm. Um, does your mom, your grandparents, do they feel like honored by the music? Do they feel a connection to it? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. Um, my mom's parents have never seen me perform. So they go to bed really early and they've usually haven't been able to like travel to one of the concerts and they're maybe, I don't want to speak for them. I've never really asked them. They don't really seem maybe so interested in it or something. And I have yet to give them like a personal concert or something, but I know my grandma's listened to the music, my mom's mom. And I'm very like fortunate that three of my grandparents are still alive and she's always telling me, that she'd like really wants me to like write some happy music <laughs> like she's like she's like it's it's so beautiful it's so sad like like I won't lift people up you know and I'm just like grandma like, okay I'll try I'm gonna write some happy music <laughs> oh I don't know if it's sad it's um I mean like it's serious you know yeah. It's kind of like puts me in like a ritual space in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think of it so much as sad. I think the I mostly write when I'm usually going through something um, that I'm needing to process, you know, and those tend to be more of the challenging, mm-hmm. you know, parts of life. Yeah. I think when I'm happy, at, you know, I'm not really processing it in that kind of way where I'm like really churning it and transmuting like whatever like thing I'm going through um happy music (laughs) (laughs) yeah um you're such an artist too just in the way you live your life like even the way you communicate and I don't know it just it kind of makes sense to me I guess is what I'm saying that you came through your parents through your mother Felicia (laughs) as um as an artist and then like your ancestors gathered around and were like oh 
Mm-hmm. Let's drop these stories into Marie and she can give them life and she mm-hmm. can bring like expression and healing to these lineages. Mm-hmm. That gives me chills. Yeah, it feels, it really feels like that. <clears throat> I don't know why some of us are just a little more on, on these paths where we're like, I don't know if it's a choice or if it's like been chosen to do this like healing work for, for the lineages. It's what it really feels like. I'm doing and I want to show up and do more. And like, now I'm so like interested and intrigued in like that kind of work and like making my life and like path be about that. Um, Yeah. There's not really a lot of other people in my family that I see on that, you know, that are really in that maybe one of my cousins, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. This is something I've talked about before on the show. Like, and I'm sure this isn't the case 100% of the time, but I've noticed it many times that a person will come through really physically resembling one of their lineages. Mm. And then that tends to be the lineage they feel the most drawn towards or that they're expressing the most or bringing the most healing to, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And like you you really look like your mother, <laughs> just like your mom. You know? And I yeah. know you've got some Gary in there too. I've seen you post about um, your nose Uh and people telling you that like you have such a Native American nose and you're like, actually (laughs) it's my Hungarian. Yeah. (laughs) So interesting. I do have this like straight nose. It looks just like my dad's and people really have, and I have this very, you know, darker, very black hair and like brown skin and I'm a lot like darker than even like my full-blooded brother or something. And it is interesting what people choose to like say to your face sometimes. And yeah, people be like, Oh, such a beautiful, like native nose or something. And I'm just like, yeah, exactly. Um, it looks just like my dad. who's Polish Hungarian has 0%. And is that even a thing? And is, and also all of my native like native relatives noses are like tiny button, Mm. almost Asian looking Mm -hmm. noses, or if you could say that, you know, but like, Just funny people's ideas, stereotypes are. Yeah. So you talked about how you kind of feel called to um, be doing this healing work. And I'm thinking about how you're doing work with the Nisanan, which are the local to our area, Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot to mention them in the beginning. I wanted to say something, but yeah, just we are on, me and Amber right now, on Nisanan territory. Um, and it's been so enlightening to, uh, work with some of these people in particular, like the spokeswoman, Shelly Covert. Um, she's doing so much work in the area to bring new, really like new visibility to the tribe that has been basically in living in the shadows of this community since the gold rush happened or 1849, um, so let's see, what else do I want to say about that? Well, yeah, okay. I I grew up here, you know, since I was like, well, I moved here when I was one year, one year old. So like I've lived here my whole life with chunks of time that I lived my adult life out in different parts of California and then moved back a few years ago. But um, we never learned about the Nisinan people, you know. Or if you did, they were called the Maidu. Or if we did, they were called the Maidu, which they do not, like, um, call themselves they feel they have like a totally different language and everything so yeah we were told they were the Mayadu we never heard about them we didn't even know 
that, or I didn't know that there those people were still around, that there were still tribal members. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that there had been a reservation up on Cement Hill with 2,000 Nisino people living on it yeah. at a time. I didn't know that they were recognized with that illegally terminated in the 60s and that now they're like seeking re-recognition. So all this stuff has just been like so um, just really reality shattering, you know, shattering um, and which is good. So that like a new, you know, the truth can really come forward and I don't know what we're going to ask. Um, Well, I was going to bring up the gold rush and how it's so celebrated. You live in gold country here Mm -hmm. in the foothills of Northern California. Everything is, the businesses are gold country, this or that. And there's like the gold rush days and the local high schools, the miners. And, you know, it's kind of stuff. A miner, like a cement giant miner, just like staring. Have you seen that? Like staring at a pan of gold in space like this. <laughs> and my friend who I live with who was driving past was like, I always drive by that. And like, looks like that dude's like staring at a cell phone <laughs> or something. And it really does. He's like just staring at this like pan of like gold nuggets. And I was just like, that is so crazy that that's the thing that represents the, the high school year. Yeah. Well, it represents the whole, the whole ter- town area community. Um, and so when I read the book by Richard, mm-hmm. the tribal chairman, History of Us. Mm-hmm. And what happened to the Nisinon during the gold rush? Mm-hmm. I mean, like 99% white killed. Mm-hmm. It's, cra- it's crazy. And I was like, and we just like celebrate that history here everywhere yeah. without mm-hmm. acknowledging what happened to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then, the, yeah, here are these remaining tribal members who have been invisible for so long and through the work of Shelley and Richard are really, mm-hmm. really becoming visible, um, who are, like, just living in the midst of that. Like, on their, yeah. On Forgetting. Their homelands and <laughs> watching all the thousands of people that live here and have moved here. Um, yeah, exactly. Celebrating their near genocide, basically. Yes. Even if unconsciously, because right. they don't know and it's just ignorance or whatever, which the work they're doing is hopefully just going to bring light to all that and has it been really to has. a lot of people that want, you know, I think a lot of people want to know, would want to know, you know, um, about all that. Um, yeah, it's really heavy, very heavy. And I think, I mean, that's a part of the healing work is unearthing all this grief and trauma that like hasn't been acknowledged or processed even by the community. I mean, like, I feel like we all really need to, that's why I feel so called to like support, you know, them at this time. I feel like I also had a really intense vision during the ceremony I sat in, in this area. And I experienced like, so many spirits on the land that hadn't been grieved and they like almost flocked over me and then like wept thrice like mm-hmm. literally cried for like five hours I almost couldn't stop crying like mm-hmm. I thought I like needed help mm-hmm. like I couldn't stop it was like s- like sobbing in a group of people and 
yes, I think I felt a sense in, you know, and not even, even in, in the way that, cause I'm not those people, but in some sort of sense, got like a glimpse even at the amount of grief that has not been processed on these lands. It is so intense, you know, and but I think that needs to happen, you know? Yeah. So is, that it can move forward and like be released and lightened. And, is that something that they talk about that you're, your friends within the Nisunan community here, like, is there an emphasis on grief? Um, they do. Or they have mentioned it a bit. Um, just the trauma, the ancestral trauma that they feel in the repression. And I haven't really heard him talk about it too much, but you can tell it's there. Yeah. And I think a lot of, or Shelly has just mentioned that a lot of her family has just been silent for so long, you know, and I think that's part of the grief too. Yeah. The silence, but it seems like also that a lot of the women are really ready to break the silence. They've Mm -hmm. said that her mom said that people that haven't wanted to talk about this stuff are really realizing and that the time is now. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, Richard in the book, telling a story of when he was little and at school and the teacher was like, Richard's an Indian. Richard, get up and do a dance for everyone. And he was like, what? Like, that's, you know, I don't know how to do an Indian dance. And that he said, Mm -hmm. like, from that moment on, he decided I never want anyone to know that I'm Native American. Mm -hmm. And then of course now, you know, decades later, Mm -hmm. this is the work he's doing in the world. So that just speaks to that like feeling of silence Mm -hmm. that people have had for so long. Mm -hmm. Are you connected to, um, like, your own Native American lineages and people who are now living on that land and, like, possibly doing this work? I don't know. Not really. Yeah, I just, it feels like what the Nisinan are doing here could be, like, a model for other mm-hmm. tribal communities who are wishing to gain more visibility and, like, reclaim their selves as mm-hmm. a people. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. And I think, I think it can, you know, the community has come together also to start this new program that I've been lucky enough to watch kind of get off the ground too. And it's called the Ancestral Homelands Reciprocity Program. And so that's been like a team of members from the community that are being allies and support for Shelley and the tribe. And there's been this dialogue back and forth and writings have been written for the program and it's always approved by the tribe. And so it's really gone through all this um, editing and stuff to the point where now it's pretty much an official program that's being launched where people can donate. And I think you're a donator. Yeah. We donate every month. Yeah. Which is amazing. I saw that. And it seems like people are starting to get the word about it, you know, so people can donate to their nonprofit because they are an unrecognized tribe they don't get anything from the government. They have no land. They don't have anything. No at all. recognition whatsoever. Yes. You don't so, exist. Um, they created a nonprofit that people can donate to. And so this program is kind of something that can give people a, some sort of framework of why it, it might be important for the community to be donating a part of their uh, prosperity that they make on these lands back to the people that aren't getting anything 
Right. And I mean, that ask just made so much sense to me, you know, when I saw it, like you're doing business on our lands. (laughs) Um, If you're doing well, if you can, if you can give back, you can help us regain our federal recognition and Mm -hmm. like do other things that we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So your song, Wild Mm -hmm. Eyes. (laughs) Back to that. All right. Yeah. Opens the podcast. And I mean, I have been thinking about right. doing this podcast for like a year or two before I finally did it. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I thought about was opening music. And just from, from the first moment, I was like, I would love to have Marie's song. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know how you would react. And I didn't know if I should even ask. But when it came time <laughs> to do the podcast, I asked you and you just so graciously, absolutely said yes. Yeah. And how does it, and now I know that you listen, you listen to the show too. Um, Oh, I see Oh, it's just a little bird. I thought it was a mouse out there. I'm always interrupting these podcasts to be like, there's a crow. Yeah, now I see why you can see a lot of wildlife from here. (laughs) Yeah, we've got these big windows. Um, Yeah, so I'm so glad to talk about that actually, (laughs) because of course, um, Obviously, the idea of your podcast sounded so beautiful and wonderful. And, of course, I wanted to support that and would love for my song to uh, be in it. But little did I know that really listening to the podcast you're making and some of the interviews would have such synchronistic, magical, profound impacts on my life. Really, truly. So thank you for doing that creating the thing and this like magical network of um just really beautiful interviews for us to listen to and I like can't like I'll listen to some interview that's just like blows my mind and then like the wild eyes guitar starts <laughs> and you're like okay thanks and then it like and concludes with like this song I wrote <laughs> You know, I'm just like, wait, what? Like, still, I even, like, sometimes still forget it's going to happen. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? And it's seriously just another part of that, like, beautiful part of the mystery that's, like, continuing to unfold with, like, I don't know, the, the life that this music has to live of its own outside of myself. But then, like, here I am actually on the podcast with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's been like a lot of synchronicities for you. And it makes sense to me that like you would have, that that would be happening when you have set the vibe for the whole show, <laughs> really, you know, with your music, like, like I was speaking of earlier, how it's kind of like this brings me to this whole other realm. That's specifically what I wanted to open and close the show to create this container for people to be like, now you are entering this space. Mm-hmm where magic happens, where synchronicities happen, yeah. where the ancestors speak to us. Yeah. And I had, like, a literally, like, direct experience to that kind of thing where um, I literally, like, felt like the ancestors were speaking through your podcast to me through the in- synchronicities that were happening, like, while listening to someone's interview. And it was the one where actually <laughs> um, Darla... Mm-hmm. What's her last name? Antoine. Antoine was actually bringing the idea about synchronicity being the ancestor speaking to you as like kind of like in a ha like moment. Like I'd never really heard it expressed in that way. 
So as she was explaining that and then kind of went on about her life story, um, all of these synchronicities she was speaking about were like happening to me. And I was realizing that it was the ancestors talking to me after just hearing her talk about how that's what it was. Mm -hmm. It was like such a psychedelic (laughs) moment. Like in my, I was just like, um, so that was really interesting. It was actually, I was on the plane flying from Portland back to California after a really incredible trip where I actually got this tattoo. Mm -hmm. It's a very like, ancestrally vibed tattoo that's like a woman with foxglove and eels on my arm um, in British Columbia I got it from this beautiful woman Bubsy and um, that's a whole other story but let's see after getting that tattoo we drove through British Columbia me and my like partner at the time and drove through the Okanagan I believe that's how you say it. yeah I'm sorry if I'm saying wrong territory and then through Washington and then came to Portland. Then I got a pl- on a plane flying back to California. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get to listen to Amber's new podcast because I get excited. Like when the next episode comes out, I always get so excited about it. So I put it on. And so I'm listening to it. I'm listening to her talk about how she's from her ancestry and where she grew up is the land that I like literally just drove through that day. And I was like. Oh my God, like what? Like literally, but she's in Costa Rica, you know, telling yeah. the story, but she's talking about her homelands and how beautiful they are and how lucky she is. And it's talking about it. I'm like, I literally just drove through there a few hours ago. That is nuts. Mm. And then she starts talking about the, the synchronicity and how it's the ancestor speaking. And I'm like, I'm like, that is literally happening right now <laughs> through her talking about this and that her like partner was from Michigan and like, God, I was with the time was from Michigan and she had had this crazy Medusa dream mm-hmm. that she explained too. That was really powerful. And like, I had been singing, you know, this new song, black snakes that talks about Medusa's head, black snakes. And like, so th- those were just like three really specific wow. to me synchronicities of her um, talking about like things from her life that like directly, obviously in different ways, like correlated to like, I mean, Medusa, like, <laughs> who talk? I mean, like, you know, who talks about Medusa that often? I was just like literally on the plane with like full body goosebumps the whole time, like in this vibe. I was just like kind of a little bit freaked out. Yeah. Like, it was a little bit one of those so like freaky moments. Yeah. It was like so um potent and like electrified, you know? Yeah. It's like really amazing. Seeing like so the- that was something that happened. Smiles into the night 
physical movements you're doing, you're kind of shaking. And I know that feelings I've had it so many times in my life where something is happening. I just had an interaction with someone or I'm somewhere, or I just heard something. And it's, I just, it's like shaking from the inside. It's like this quivering mm-hmm. and it's not always necessarily pleasant. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it was kind of like freaking Freaky. you out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but f- for me, I learned pretty young, luckily, that that was pointing me to something, that that was like, pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, this is important to you. And like, mm-hmm. this is like soul work for you to be doing right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was really a part of what I wanted to do with the podcast too. So it makes me so happy to hear that is <laughs> I just knew that there's been enough times where I've listened to a podcast or read a blog <laughs> post or an Instagram post or something that I'm like, crazy coincidence because I was just thinking about that or getting into that and exactly it's just like I don't know what that is but I know that when you put like your heart out there and have genuine conversations with people in public that it's always going to resonate really strongly with at least someone out there Mm -hmm. totally and like maybe guide them on their path or open Mm -hmm. up a door for them that they didn't know was there beforehand yeah. It's really happened to me, yeah, too many times. And you have like it was really yeah, it really like that that podcast really blew my mind open with that idea. And I was like, oh my gosh, because yeah, I experienced a lot of synchronicity in my life and it really inspired me to start tracking it, like she mm-hmm. talks about. And just that it does really mean like it's such clear guidance that you are on the right path. And I just you know, always kind of believed that, but just to hear how she explained it was really just like solidifying, really just like, oh my God, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how else are they going to communicate to yeah. us? You know, I mean, dreams for sure mm-hmm. is a big one. Um, creativity, as mm-hmm. we've been speaking about, but really, yeah, coincidences. Because <laughs> that gets our attention, you know, for those of us embodied still in these human bodies. Like when something that meaningful happens, our whole body responds. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's making me think of the other kind of powerful 
some coincidence, synchronistic moment through the podcast I had. Um, this is what kind of brought me to my like recent connection with the Datura Jimson weed, Datura Stramonium, I believe it's called mm. specifically. Um, that I've actually never, no, that's not true. I did see it one time in person in real life. <laughs> Was it here? Um, not here, but in LA. Okay. So this is a plant that like, I really did not have any like experience with. I think I've, I've heard the name before, you know, but I've never like really seen it. Um, don't have a relationship with it. And it's like literally through your podcast and different synchronistic events led me to start begin like a relationship with this plant that's just now kind of starting while I'm like actually planting planted some seeds on the new moon of it to start growing it Mm -hmm. and um it's a highly um, potent psychoactive plant so that should also be known I don't plan on ingesting the plant but I just want to spend time with it um so that all really started when your um, friend, I don't know if she's your friend, but I'll say friend, <laughs> Sophia Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, let's see, I want to like make sure I get all the parts of the story right because there's a lot of pieces. So I was listening to her interview with you and she had been talking about her friend, I believe, that had committed suicide mm-hmm. and that really uh, impactful like grieving time and how I don't remember the exact story that she had, but how she had an experience with the Detura plant that was with her in that experience. And I'm not, I don't want to say, because I can't remember the details. Episode three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, it's a great interview. Definitely go back and listen to it. You and Sophia, you're either born a day apart or have the same birthday. Really? Yeah. Are you the fourth? Fourth. She's the third. Oh, it's yeah. Birthday. Right. Yeah. That's your mom's. And then I'm the eighth. Yeah. So I've February. Never met her, but she seems so sweet. We've mm-hmm. talked a little bit. And um, so she was talking about that and the plant, Datura. And so then I was like, oh, I want to like look up this plant. Like looked up the flower, looked up the plant and its flowers. And I was like, so captivated by these flowers like they were really calling to I was like oh my gosh like these are incredible and like started reading about it listening to the podcast and I also had had a really close girlfriend of mine who had committed suicide many years ago she sang with me on tour and she was like a really sweet beautiful friend who tragically took her own life and so there was that kind of correlation and, excuse me, um, yeah, so I looked up the plant that day and then right after listening to the podcast, my friend called me and she was like, oh, I pulled a tarot card for us from the mother piece. Sorry, my throat. It's more I think I could... <coughs> Borrow your water. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so my friend had pulled a tarot card from like the mother piece deck, the round ones. Yeah. She sent me a picture of it and it's like with the with like a woman on it. And then a picture of a Datura flower on it. <clears throat> too. And I'm like, 
I'm like, whoa, dude, what is up with this flower? Like, I've literally just started hearing about it in the past hour, and now it's, like, coming at me. Yeah. And then later that night, I had a dream about my friend who had died, which also that plants, like, really can bring people into communion with people that have passed over. Mm. Um, Communication with the dead, definitely a very ancestral plant. Um, It's a plant that can help you let go of things that need to be given death to. I like that Sophia has a beautiful quote on her website about that. And at this point, you're not even physically working with the plant. It's just like entered your consciousness. It just literally has come at me (laughs) through the internet or through, (laughs) yeah, my friend sending me a picture on her phone of it. I'm just like, it's like coming at me. And I've never had that experience with a plant before, like truly. Um. So let's see. Okay, where does this story go? So then I reach out to Sophia, who has an herbal store and a beautiful, like, herbal world and website, <laughs> Herbalist World. And um, I write to her about it, and she is so sweet, and she has, happens to be a fan of my music, which I'm like, okay, that's crazy. I'm like, rad. So... She's like, I want to send you some some gifts, you know, like you've helped me so much with your music and I want to just like offer you something in return and I'm going to send you the Datura flower essence that I make and a couple other things. So she sends that to me. I'm just like, okay, this is crazy <laughs> and so special. And also I still just get so mind blown by stuff like that. I'm just like, wow, this is real. <clears throat> so she sends it to me and um, I get the flower essence, the day that I'm going into an ayahuasca ceremony to sit in and I take it with me and it's, it's a flower essence. So, I mean, they obviously can be very impactful, but gen- you know, they yeah. can be a gentle like, thing at the same time. So I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to take some of this flower essence. It got to me on this day. Like, and I took some of it and then I, Obviously, ayahuasca is not maybe so (laughs) sometimes um, or subtle. But so I had that experience and really I had the most um, profound contact with my ancestors that night Mm. through the ceremony Mm. and the medicine that I've ever had. It was so visceral and and tangible. And that was what I kind of spoke on kind of in the beginning where I like was really given the vision of the ancestors being the voice, like my voice, singing voice, and that that's doing the healing work Mm. for them. So I saw them in like a line, a wall, not really a line, but like a wall that shone back from me and like a wall that just stretched back, you know, forever, basically, like how our ancestors basically do almost. And they shone a light like straight through my voice, Mm. my throat, and they shone the light through and they said like, this is the key and like, know that like you have to use it. Mm. And this was like last summer, like gives me like, it's, I don't know, messages are that clear. You're kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. I won't like try and give up the, you know, the music life. Like I've tried multiple times. So like, I'm just going to do something else or like, I'm just going to try and go do this other thing. And no, it's like really an important path. I don't know. It just feels. 
there's no turning back from it. Yeah. You can't turn your, you know. Yeah. You can't turn your back on your <laughs> calling, like your <laughs> destiny, your, the gifts that you've been given. The gift. And maybe it'll lead to other things through the gift. You know, maybe it'll lead to hopefully other things um, too. I'm not sure what they will be. But. Yeah. Well, I know that sometimes it can be hard to parse these things out with an experience like that, but um, did that, was it just, was it a vision? Like you saw this visually or did you also like hear the words or hear the message in words <clears throat> or the words, how you're interpreting the vision that you saw? The words I think were interpreting the vision I saw, but also there almost is like a voice too. In some sort of way, but it was a very, very a visual thing that I saw and like seeing the light shining <laughs> through the voice from them. And then like it being the key was really like the word. Mm-hmm. Like I turned like, this is like the key yeah. to like unlock, you know, the stuff. What, what do you think <laughs> about, tell me more about the key, like <laughs> the key to unlock, like your voice is the key that unlocks the ancestral stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it does the healing work. It's like the key to the healing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the thing. It's the expressing when things haven't been expressed. Mm-hmm. If I can express from a really authentic space, then it's expressing for them who aren't maybe able to. For a 
Have you like called on that vision before you sit down to write or record or perform? Hmm. I would say so. I mean, it's it's definitely influenced a few of my new songs mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure that are going to be on my new record or are on it. I guess it's already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I feel like when you're given, you know, a vision or a message that clearly that's so tied into mm-hmm. like your life path and work, that that's mm-hmm. a, just a, a big gift that you can draw on whenever mm-hmm. you sit down to create right. or to share. Yeah. Always hold that. Totally. No, I've seen it so many times. This was only like eight months ago or something. Um, but the, yeah, the other thing about the, t- the turret that I just remembered saying about the new album is that it then after that, I had been working, my really um, wonderful, talented friend Jackie was helping me come up with some album cover ideas. And I knew I wanted there to be like some abalone on it around this photo that my like love at the time, like had taken in the Badlands. Like, I want to use this picture and like do abalone around it. I'm not really sure what that looks like and then after that experience kind of came back to her and was like let's make it like detura abalone flowers Mm. around the cover like this flower is like really just played such an important role all of a sudden in informing this music or my story or whatever so yeah it made a beautiful um design around I mean she made a beautiful design with these um flowers so I can't wait to share that with people it's a really special collaboration and magical story of the whole thing yeah and I mean that but that's you and like that's your music that's your albums Mm -hmm. is so much magic tied into them um Mm. were you also involved in like designing the visual elements for the faces in the rocks cover that one that was more just that woman kind of like going with the vibe of the music love it so (laughs) I could stare at that picture forever I know it's also very ancestral yes it is with the woman braiding the hair into the skull under the tree and the ghost figurines yeah (laughs) yeah it's really cool um (laughs) So what's what's the new album called? The new album is called Grief in Exile. Mm. Yeah. And it's, when does it come? I think it'll already be out by the time the interview comes out. Maybe so. It's it's going to come out June 7th. Okay, probably just we'll yeah. line then. Yeah, or a little before or something or whenever yeah. works. Yeah, I'll be doing an album release show in Nevada City on June 5th. Okay. Yeah, my my grandma, the same one who was talking about the happy yeah. happy songs, she asked me about the new record, and I had to tell her like the title, <laughs> and I was just like, oh god, why did she ask me? Cool, <laughs> grandma asks you what's your album called. I did not expect. She's like, well, what's it called? And I was like, 
grief and exile. <laughs> you know, she was like, mm, doesn't, doesn't sound like you're really working on that happy stuff. It was so funny. It's like really caught again by grandma. Do you think that she's carrying unmetabolized yeah. grief? <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> so, probably. She's a very light being, though. Mm. She has a deep, deep spiritual connection to mm. God. And she's, like, very devout Catholic. But, I mean, that's a whole other complex story of, like, emotions in that, mm. you know? Um, <clears throat> but I, But her connection to spirit and, like, she prays so much and talks to God and has just such a like sweet connection to flowers and nature and stuff that mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's really lightened her being and does its own work. Yeah. I think it's worth noting too, that not everyone who comes from a lineage of trauma and heaviness carries it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and someone might carry it in a way that they're driven to addiction mm-hmm. lifelong or, or whatever. And then some people might carry it in a way that you do where you're the one who, transforms it mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah. will you be touring i really hope so <laughs> i haven't really set up any tours yet but i would really love to tour mm-hmm. when the album comes out and hope that lines up either i'll just do it myself or whatever but i'd love to go to the east coast travel across the country haven't been to the east coast and toured in a long time Mm -hmm. i'd love to get over to europe again other places i've never been before yeah (laughs) well who knows what will anyone out there (laughs) yeah books shows Mm -hmm. (laughs) let me know yeah could use some help it's definitely a lot overwhelming amount of work on the computer that totally hard to for me personally to do yeah. In general. <laughs> I, well, I and think organize, you, but as I think I said this earlier, like you're a true artist. You're not so like grounded in the world of logistics and like <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> so and you do need help. You need someone who does that for you. Skills. Yeah, yeah, it would be great. <laughs> so you can just channel the ancestor yeah. using your voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ancestors find me a booking agent somehow. <laughs> no, it would be really helpful. Because yeah. I want, because I, I just want to get out there and I, I and play for people so yeah. much in places that that haven't that I haven't been able to, and I get you know messages from messages from people all over the country or other countries that are like, come to this place, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I would love to get there, you know, like don't <laughs> have the money to fly to where you know wherever this faraway place is and play one show, but I'd love to organize it so it can actually work out. Yeah, I think um, um, what you do is, or the audience you find is similar to the audience I find with this podcast, um, hmm. which is that for the right, it's not for everyone. And for the right people, it is completely life-changing, mm-hmm. heart-opening, lifelong connection to the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I very much support <laughs> you finding a wider audience, finding more people <laughs> who will have that feeling mm-hmm. Yeah, when they listen to the music. Yeah. I'm excited. I haven't released an album in over five years. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of life in an album is so interesting. All albums are different. They're these sonic, multidimensional kaleidoscope 
like things of hum- of someone's experience. And really this album is more so that than maybe any of the other ones. It's really encapsulates the past five years of vision and love and heartbreak and loss. And it really is this, I see it's just this multidimensional thing, even though it's, I guess, something, a sonic thing you listen to. I don't know what kind of dimension you call that <laughs> sonic realm, but it is yeah. kind of multidimensional, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's crazy you can like put a thing out there that's just this culmination of experience that just becomes this thing that then people can just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I just feel really vulnerable. Um, yeah. Because music, yeah, it's just a whole whole nother layer of creation. You're using your actual voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which to me seems terrifying. <laughs> um, and your words, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your words. Yeah. Oh my God, your words. Um, I think you'll like the new one. Oh, I too. I'm positive. I will. <laughs> you know, there's like a handful of artists that I'm yeah. like, I will listen to anything they put out <laughs> for sure and enjoy it. Um, and you're one of those for me. Mm. Yeah. So thank you, Marie. Yeah. I'm so happy <laughs> to see you and to finally get to dive deeper. Um, and I, you know, I feel like you could for sure be one of those recurring guests too, because you like magical things happen to you when you move in the world. You're Mm. one of those people. (laughs) So I know there's more stories and there's more that's going to happen too. There's a lot of stories. (laughs) I know. It's funny to kind of realize that, but I tell a lot of magical things happen. Mm -hmm. It's really special. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky. Yeah, you're lucky, and you've also chosen to, like, follow your soul calling mm-hmm. from your entire adult life. And I really believe that when people do that, that's when, like, the synchronicities and the magic mm-hmm. are more likely to show up. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I, like, can't do anything else that's mm-hmm. not on the path. Maybe that's, like, our Aquarian nature, mm-hmm. you know? But I, <laughs> I don't know if it's just that or if it's based on a sign, but, like... Like, I just cannot not do something that's on my path. Like, I won't, like, I'm literally incapable of, of doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I kind of what you mean. Like, not like, like, I don't want to, like, can't. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't <laughs> even make it happen. Yeah. I know. Like, like I, I just I, fall I apart. I can't have a job. I swear to God, I can't. <laughs> I can't work for someone else. Yeah. I can't I would just work rather, for like, someone else. I tried the last time I was in my early twenties and I would, I would just get fired from jobs mm-hmm. for no apparent reason, even though I was one of the best little workers, mm-hmm. you know, I like it, it couldn't, couldn't happen. <laughs> it was so weird. I would try and it just would just be like kicking me off, like in the weirdest ways. Nope. I'm going to work at that deli. Nope, I never got work fired, at that movie theater. I would quit. The longest I ever worked anywhere was 11 months. I was just like, that's quite enough. Quite enough. <laughs> I'm trying to bend myself to y'all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe there is something to that Aquarian mythology. <laughs> the rebel in us. Yeah. But also the desire to, um, it's funny, I was thinking about this today and like all the parts of astrology I don't believe in and all the parts I do believe mm-hmm. in, you know. And um, But I really have always resonated with that part of like, the Aquarian um, drive for independence, but for like dedicating your life's work to humanity Humanity. and healing and like helping people feel better and be better. Exactly. The rebel, the humanitarian 
cause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rebel for the humans. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of James Dean, he was an Aquarius <laughs> really? too. Yeah, he was born on my birthday. Wow. Exactly 50 years before me. He was born wow. February 8th, 1931. Yeah, so I always felt like quite a thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel with the cause. Rebel without a cause. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I think it's time to wrap up. Okay. Well, thank you so much for everything you do. I'm honored that the music encapsulates these beautiful interviews that have definitely um, impacted my life. So, yeah. I'm, I'm like so honored that your music um, sets the container and that it's worked out. You know, I was like, maybe at some point she'll be like, not really feeling it anymore, Amber. You know, can you find something else? No. And I'll be like, okay. Oh, I'm, I'm glad not. you're feeling it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I sign off these. Yeah, it's um, goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Grief in Exile, June 7th. Marie Sue, it's Marie with two E's and Mm -hmm. Mm S-I-O-U-X. Find it. Bandcamp these days is the best online um, platform for the musicians. Okay. Money-wise, just if anyone's wondering. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I link to because, you know, you're on every show notes mm-hmm. and I think it's your Bandcamp page that I have a link to and I'll, I'll put that higher in the notes for this episode too. Mm-hmm. So, okay, go okay. find Marie. All right. Go be transported. Can you tell us the play?
for taking these medicine stories in. I hope they inspire you to keep walking the mythic path of your own unfolding self. I love sharing information and will always put any relevant links in the show notes. You can find past episodes, my blog, 
and our handmade herbal medicines at mythicmedicine.love. We've got reishi, lion's mane, elderberry, mugwort, yarrow, redwood, body oils, an amazing sleep medicine, heart medicine, earth essences, so much more, more than I can list there, mythicmedicine.love. While you're there, check out my quiz, which healing herb is your spirit medicine? It's fun and lighthearted, but the results are really in-depth and designed to bring you into closer alignment with both the medicine that you're in need of and the medicine that you already carry and can bring to others. If you love the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash medicine stories. It is so worth your while. There are dozens and dozens of killer rewards there, and I've been told by many folks that it's the best Patreon out there. We've got ebooks, downloadable PDFs, bonus interviews, guided meditations, giveaways, resource guides, links to online learning and behind the scenes stuff, and just so much more. The best of it is available at the $2 a month level. Thank you. And please subscribe on whichever app you use. Just click that little subscribe button and review on iTunes. It's so helpful. And if you do that, you just may be featured in a listener spotlight in the future. The music that opens the show is by Marie Sue. That's M-A-R-I-E-E. S-I-O-U-X from her beautiful song, Wild Eyes. Thank you, Marie. And thanks to you all. I look forward to next time.